Hey guys, welcome to Project Geekology, episode 16. 16, we're already double uh, the average podcast length. You know, most podcasts quit after episode 8, we've doubled. <laughs> so I think we are in the clear in terms of like whether or not this podcast is going to last. And we're very happy with the... Uh, we were actually just talking about it off air, talking about how um, nice it is to have consistency in terms of our downloads every episode. You know, we have a number of people who've uh, continued to come back episode after episode, and we hope that you uh, continue to do so. We appreciate everyone who has gone and shared uh, the podcast or given reviews, so we thank you all for, the, for interacting with us in that way. Um, but before we begin, my name's Dakota. I'm joined with, as always... Anthony! And we have a special guest who joins us again from the last episode. Jen! I'm becoming like a... I was saying I'm like Yoko Ono. I'm just like showing up to all of them now. Nope. Not... I, I won't allow it. <laughs> That's good. Stand your ground, John. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand my ground, unlike John Lennon. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, today we're going to be talking again about Avatar The Last Airbender. And for those of you who aren't aware, we did a non-spoiler discussion slash review of the uh, entire series early in this podcast life. I think it was either the second or third episode that we ever did. Uh, but now for episode 16, we're going to be doing a full spoiler discussion about each of the characters that we liked, uh, some of the bigger themes that we enjoyed from the Avatar series, as well as the way the show ended. We hope that you have watched the Avatar The Last Airbender series. I personally believe it's the greatest American animated series of all time. And I, I know uh, the other panelists here also truly, truly enjoy it. To truly appreciate the series, I think you need to experience it first on your own terms. And then, you know, whether or not you want to listen to us or other, you know, discussions on the spoilery stuff of this show, um, that's up to you. But uh, we are happy that you are here. We hope that you have watched uh, Avatar at this point and you can enjoy the, the conversation um, without being spoiled. We're going to be skipping our what we've been up to segment of the podcast because we are recording this directly after episode 15, uh, the last week's uh, discussion of Mandalorian. So uh, we haven't actually done anything besides use the bathroom since our last recording. Uh, <laughs> yep. But um, I'm going to hand it over to our guest this week to uh, start our discussion off with Avatar The Last Airbender. Maybe you can uh, start us off by explaining uh, or, or reiterating... Uh, your connection with the show and talking about some of the bigger things that you liked about it. So my connection was it came out when I was in middle school and I loved it and my friends loved it and then in high school you know my my mom was like stop watching kids shows this is why you don't have a boyfriend what's wrong with you but I still loved it and then when I got engaged I showed it to Dakota my then fiance now husband so suck it mom you don't know anything. <laughs> That's how you get boyfriends. That's how you get boyfriends with Avatar. <laughs> no, the I'm only kidding. way. This is the way. Um, <laughs> it's a fantastic show. I really love it. I think it has really complex themes, great character arcs, just so many things that I think um, you hadn't really seen in cartoons at the time. So I get why my mom might have thought, okay, that's a cartoon that's elementary, like, please start watching more grown things, what's wrong with you? But it, it actually is a very mature show. Yeah. Um, and I think it has some really interesting themes that 
still keep adults coming back to this day. Yeah. Anthony, what do you, what, did you grow up watching the show or did you catch it later on or what? Oh, no. I had watched Avatar The Last Airbender as it was coming out. I I remember seeing like the initial trailers for it and I thought it seemed pretty cool. So I, yeah, I started watching it. I think it had started when I was in eighth grade. And so I watched it as it was coming out at the end of middle school into the beginning of high school. There were a couple episodes that I had missed that I didn't catch until it came out on Netflix the first time around. It came out on Netflix like back in 2011. So I watched it from beginning to end without any uh, disconnect. But I will agree with you in saying that to me, it is one of the greatest cartoons I have ever seen. It yeah. is one of my favorites, if not my my favorite. I've sworn by it. Like I, I've talked about it all the time. I think I've tried to get you into it. It wasn't until uh, Jen, thank you, Jen, for finally getting him to watch it because I, I don't, I don't know why I was so. Um, I wasn't like against, against it. It's it. just you never got to just, it. I just think you didn't care enough. Yeah, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. But I never did until um, Jen mentioned that that was like a big part of her youth and whatever. So I've because he made me watch like a ton of stuff, and it was like annoying too because he had all these franchises that I had to watch that are like huge franchises tiny like eight movies long and then like i could i got him to watch maybe pride and prejudice and i was like i need something to like get him to commit <laughs> like i need this guy to like commit to something so she bought me the dvds for avatar and that uh, uh, kind of changed the way i view cartoons in a way which is crazy yeah i, I ended up loving the series and uh recently we made a uh, a pact with my father who I knew would love the series, but would never give it a chance. And we were like, you have to watch through the entirety of Avatar The Last Airbender. And in exchange, we'll watch whatever you want, or whatever you want us to watch. So he's always telling us, oh, you gotta watch this show, we got, you gotta watch this show. And sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. He decided that what we had to watch was Cobra Kai, seasons one and two at the time. And he, he, would, have, he would then watch the first or the only three seasons of avatar the last airbender and a couple weeks ago he finally finished avatar the last airbender and we watched the four-part finale with him or the the big movie episode with him and he was blown away and that just kind of he's kind of like uh one of the gauges that i have for um enjoyability like if if i can get my dad to like it then it has to be amazing you know so I was very happy that he finally got to, you know, watch Sosin's Comet and all that. Now we can finally uh, talk about <laughs> this on, uh, like, on a spoiler cast uh, type episode here on uh, Project Ecology. And I'm happy about it because I love the show. Uh, yeah. What are your favorite characters, guys? Zuko. Zuko. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Zuko's arc because we couldn't really talk about it on the last episode. He's like reverse Anakin, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. It's like you see him going from the dark side, all scarred, and then coming into the light, still he, a bit scarred. He's but. going from killing children to saving them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's reverse Anakin. <laughs> what I particularly like about Zuko's character is something that I've mentioned on Geek Critique, but I'm not sure if I've mentioned it here. It's the fact that um, in terms of 
children's entertainment, it's very rare for the antagonist character, the character that's um, actively going against the good guy, to get a redemption arc. Yeah. Um, in, in children's literature, in children's TV, in children's movies, you never see that. The bad guy is the bad guy and the good guy is the good guy throughout. Um, sometimes you have great characters in between them, um, and that's who, you know, you're kind of... Uh, Uncle Iroh is, is the great character. He's on the bad side for the majority of the show, uh, helping his nephew out, uh, try to track down the Avatar. But um, you know, you don't expect um, Zuko to finally make that switch until the show starts really fleshing out his character, and then you can start to see where the cracks in his facade are, uh, why he's um, running away, or why he can't uh, return to the Fire Nation, and he eventually um, is allowed the opportunity to make that switch, that that jump to. Uh, I guess we can call it the light because uh, you know we were just talking about Star Wars uh, for the previous episode, uh, so I got that on my mind. But um, he does turn towards the good side, and he hangs uh, for a couple episodes at least. He hangs out with Team Avatar, mm-hmm. and, which I wish we would have had more time with, like the whole crew together. Like that's yeah. my one gripe. It's like finally everyone's together, and then all of a sudden the show just like ends, and I'm like. I just remember when I was a kid being like, wait, but we're just getting to the good part. It like, just got good. It just got crazy good. Like, everyone's together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember the, the last time that I had watched the show, I didn't realize how short that period of time was. I was like, man, I could have sworn it was a lot longer. But no, I, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think Zuko's story is one of the best ones in the show. His redemption arc. Mm-hmm. His yeah. redemption arc. And the reason why I like it so much is that it wasn't like a light switch. It was gradual. Yeah. It was organic. And it made sense. Good, it like wasn't relapses. like, oh, he's good all of a sudden. He had the, he had, you saw the, the conflict that he went through, the internal conflict, you know, especially when he betrays his uncle later in the show. And, you see how it like tears him apart over time and he he finally realizes that he was doing wrong this entire time i do like that when zuko joins team avatar that they don't trust him right away that it took a little bit for him to like say hey look i'm trying to help out it took for him to risk his life against that dude that he hired that like really crazy yeah, dude that like shot combustion. explosive like bolts out of his like forehead that guy was cool yeah that was yeah. cool i remember and being so scared of him <laughs> like i was legit so scared i want to know the source of his power because like i mean he was like shooting it out of his like forehead what's so cool about avatar um I, I always say that, like, what's so cool about this or that, or what I love so much, but I, it's it's just one facet of a thing that I love, so I, I have to stop saying that. But one facet of a thing I really love about <laughs> Avatar is how um, creative they are with their magic system, the creative concepts that they uh, make for introducing new layers to it. Like that combustion guy, that's a mystery. We have no idea why he's able to do that. Combustion, but, man. 
<laughs> combustion or what is yeah what is a soccer call, him soccer combustion call him? man or something like that <laughs> yeah or boom boom guy or something like that yeah i don't know yeah i love um, soccer soccer is amazing yeah. we'll talk about soccer in a little bit but i i love the creativity that they have with uh, introducing new characters that you don't necessarily need the entire backstory to but change the game up for the main cast of characters and also um, potentially alter how we view how their magic system works in the in, in the beginning or like to begin with mm-hmm. um, and that's that's one of the cool things about that um, and we start to see a little more of that with uh, Toph you know the the blind bandit um, who is like one of the best earthbenders if not the best earthbender the world has ever seen and she can't even see so it's like she's using seismic movements to help her see the world around her and sometimes it's really heartwarming and sometimes it's just really cool you know sometimes she just really kicks butt and uh when she finally breaks that um barrier of being able to suddenly realize that she can metal bend is one of the coolest moments in in the show you know, I, it, it just opens the door to so many possibilities of sub-bending types that just blows my mind, honestly. And that that's uh, both of those ideas are heavily played upon in the sequel series, Legend of Korra. You know, we're not going to talk too mm-hmm. much about that here, but it's cool to know that um, the, the writers are constantly looking at ways to expand and... Um, dive deeper into concepts yeah i thought that that was cool also because they kind of showed that like they showed growth within the bending Mm -hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like i remember there was an episode prior to that where like prior to her being put in the metal box and like realizing she could mend metal or mend bend metal (laughs) mend metal (laughs) um there was like, I think they were like going to go on a ship or some kind of aircraft or something, or maybe it was when they were going to storm the walls for Beijing and that metal thing. And remember, she says something like, I'm not going in that metal thing. Like, I'm blind in there. She's like, no way right. or something. I think that was like a fear of hers. So they yeah. literally put her in her worst fear situation where she could not see at all, not even with her bending. And that's what pushed her to like learn this new skill that she didn't know she had which i thought was really cool and that's actually a really important facet to um uh characters origin stories Mm -hmm. you know i recently made that video on uh batman begins and how the entire movie is about how he's he's using his fear to over he's overcoming his fear and using it against his enemies so toph literally overcame her fear of blindness you know, and, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to get onto that metal ship or whatever um, because she was scared of not being able to see through the ripples and the earth bending that she was capable of doing. When she was imprisoned in that little metal cage, she used that against her enemies, you know, similarly to, you know, Batman using the bat as his symbol, you know, just become the person that he was evolving into. And uh, I love Toph. I think she's probably my favorite character, just in terms of that's like, one of the best written, uh, you know, cool, powerful female characters, period. I, I, I like I how love... she's introduced. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. 
It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a forgot like that. a wrestling match type thing, and and I like that dude that she faces off because he he sounds he kind of reminds me of like uh, Randy the Macho Man Savage, uh, the Boulder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like. I'm gonna take her down. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was really funny. Yeah, but it's really cool though because it shows you how she uses that seismic sensing and it kind of reminds me of Daredevil in a way. Yeah, they definitely uh, molded her character a little bit off of Daredevil. Totally different personality though. Oh like, yeah. yeah oh yeah, no, of course. Like, like she's that... I mean, she she's got that tough that tough tough personality because um, you know she's a female that's blind that was pretty much coddled her whole life, so she wants to pretty much like show that she can handle herself. And I mean, she can mm-hmm. she can handle herself <laughs> all too yeah. well. We also learn a little bit about um, uh, the lore behind where these bending techniques come from with Toph you know in in her like back background story uh in her flashbacks um we see her as a child getting lost in the caves like uh beneath um Ba Sing Se and she is introduced or she finds those um giant mole creatures i forget what they were mixed with you know all animals except for bisons are mixed with something and um <laughs> in the avatar world but the the moles that were uh digging through the earth were like the founders of earthbending and she was able to learn from the masters themselves and i love that you know i think they take little things here and there from different uh intellectual properties like uh, that kind of reminds me of you know luke learning the force from some green guy on dagobah um (laughs) some green guy (laughs) some green dude Uh, (laughs) master yoda (laughs) no no i agree that i like that how each element has a creature that's tied to it and that those are the masters those are the ones that started all that like the Mm -hmm. firebending has the dragons Earthbending has the the moles, um, airbending is the flying bison, and the waterbending is. Um, I don't think we is have it the an answer moon? to that actually. The moon spirit or something like moon. that. I don't yeah, know if I it's the like, animal, but but the moon influences the other. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, they do talk about how the moon is an influence on, like, the tides, and that's how the first benders, they started pushing and pulling the tides, and that's how they started learning. But I don't know, I think there is, like, an actual animal that um, they learn their techniques from that we aren't privileged to, like, know at this point. Like, I don't think we know that information. It might be the moon, though. You might be right. You might be onto something. But we also know that that like big lion turtle dude gives them the powers. Yeah, but I don't think that that's um, mutually exclusive. I I think um, the lion turtles unlocked that power within individual people. But in terms of the techniques that they would use to fully train in those uh, abilities, they learned from... The, the, the moles or the sky bison or oh, the okay. dragons. Oh, that's cool. 
I like yeah. that story I, I, of the first Avatar. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was actually. really cool that he yeah, goes to the different lion turtles. And it's crazy because yeah. they have like these cities on their back. And that each one has a, an element that the people of that city know. And he goes to each mm-hmm. one and, and gets those elements. And it's crazy because he, he gets um he gets tricked by that one spirit to like help save him and then he has um, to like take it down. It's crazy because it, it's it it's uh it shows like the origins of, of somebody taking on more than one element and how that person has to be the balance between the the spirits too. Like the, the mm-hmm. physical realm and the spirit realm. So I, I, I thought that was really cool and I like how the art style of that was different from the rest of the show. Yeah. It was, was cool. really cool too. Yeah, I liked that. That is in Legend of Korra, by the way. Is that in Legend of Korra? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Legend of Korra. Uh, yeah, oh, it Korra. is in Legend of Korra. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, sorry if we spoiled that for you guys, but it shouldn't come as a surprise. I don't think that's a big spoiler. I don't think it's a spoiler. It's just yeah, like it's a really movie. awesome yeah. episode, actually. It, or it's two episodes that they, they explore the first, the origins of the Avatar. Uh, with Avatar One, um, <laughs> dude, I totally got I actually, that blended. I remember when I. <laughs> it's relevant. I mean, they, though. it is relevant, and um, the you know the idea of like the the lion turtles. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that because the lion turtles don't really show up, or they don't show up until the uh, the first part of the four part finale that they turned into like a TV movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so in many ways, some people consider it like probably the biggest deus ex machina moment of the entire show because I remember feeling that way. I was like, like, where did this guy come from? Like, who is this guy? He just has abilities. Like what? Like I was like kind of shocked. But then when you start thinking about the fact that throughout the entire show, Aang has had a connection with animals, you're like, okay, I kind of see it. So, but I was happy to get more of an explanation on that. Even if he did have a connection with animals, um, that doesn't necessarily, yeah, yeah, it is, it is a little bit of a, um, a a moment where someone comes in to save the day in a way, or like gives him a new ability that you would have never, uh, expected him to get. Apparently, there were a couple, like, episodes that they never actually got to run. And there was one episode where Aang spent a significant portion of his time in the spirit realm. And that's also where he's first introduced to the lion turtles. Um, That was never shown. That Uh, makes sense. That was never shown in any episode. They have, like, um, storyboard uh, layered episodes like in the special features of DVDs that you can go and watch these moments but in terms of the actual show um, it is a little disappointing that they never um, gave a better reason for him showing up basically at, at that one perfect moment um, but at the end of the day it is a kids show you, you, you kind of have to uh, suspend your disbelief a little further um, because it's not always going to be on par with um, adult entertainment or whatever. Right, because he kind of like shows up on the back of this lion turtle. Like, yeah, yeah, the lion turtle, uh, or he falls asleep hoping to find an answer to his dilemma, which is how do I stop the Fire Lord without killing him? How do I? <laughs> I'm only laughing because Kiyoshi. 
Okay. He's such a savage. So, so the lion turtle shows up while he's sleeping. He sleepwalks. He sleepwalks onto the lion turtle, and wakes up on it. And in so doing, he um, <laughs> he has these uh, visions with past avatars. He goes through Roku. He goes through Kiyoshi. He goes through uh, Kuruk, Yang Chen. Um, I think that's that's all of the ones that he goes through, but. With Kiyoshi, she's a savage, you know? She's, uh... Classic bougie ratchet. Yeah, she (laughs) has uh, probably been the longest living avatar at around 230 years of age, for whatever reason. She's like... Everyone was too scared of her to kill her. I guess, yeah, but no, (laughs) she's like... In my time, I needed to do what I needed to do, and uh, and and Ang was like, "But you didn't kill uh, Chin the Conqueror," and she goes, "I don't see the difference." <laughs> and, and I think I think she literally too is like, "I would have if I had to." Like, yeah, like she would have went and killed him if she had to. It and just then, happened to work out for her. And then Ang was like, "I knew I shouldn't have asked Kiyoshi." <laughs> So I love the interaction and the difference. That's like one of my favorite scenes, the like in the whole show. The actually, avatars, yeah. Well, they I have like the... that whole episode of him pretty much like clearing the Avatar's name for killing Chin the Conqueror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think she says that like same difference, <laughs> which is actually one of my favorite episodes because. Um, while it's kind of like a funny like whodunit type thing, yeah. uh, Sokka and and Katara are on this like journey. They're going, uh, and and uh, Sokka's like uh, pretending to be like a Sherlock Holmes type <laughs> yeah. character. But at the end of it, you you learn a lot about the history of this world. You learn a lot about the history of the Avatar and like what her and his role is in the scheme of things. And it's a uh, it's amazing that. Even in like the seeming filler episodes, you're learning about the world around them. You're learning about their plight. You're learning about what they need to do to finish the job that they've, that they've started. And I think that that it's the type of world building I love most. You know, you can have fun, but also learn, and uh, you know, learn about the culture and about the people who lived before your mm-hmm. time you know i think that's so cool yeah and they did it in a practical way they actually brought kiyoshi back she's just like i killed chin the conqueror <laughs> you know when she when she shows up yeah it was a good it was a good time can we talk about katara being like type annoying because that's something that comes up like i follow the avatar subreddit and like that's like a frequent joke of like how freaking annoying katara can be because she like She'll be like to Avatar, like, you don't understand, my mom's dead. And it's like his whole village was di- like murdered and he, be- because they were looking for him and he never even got the chance to meet his parents because by the time he woke up, they were dead too. So, you know, Katara, shut up. And the same with Zuko. It's like he hasn't seen his mom in forever and he doesn't even know if she's alive. But my mom's dead. It's like, okay, Katara, get a life. Yeah, Katara does have the capacity to be annoying. But at the end of the day, she's what, 12? Um, so it's understandable <laughs> that, you know, a 12-year-old would have some angsty elements to her that are very short-sighted um, and could potentially hurt others around her. But Wait, the- are they really that young at the end of the show? I feel like they're a bit older than that. They're all, like, making out with each other. I'll look it up. <laughs> I mean, no matter the age, Katara is robbing the cradle, so... 
She robbing it. Yeah, so Aang, Aang is <laughs> technically over 100 years old, but he's biologically <laughs> a 12-year-old. Um, and Katara is between 12 and 14. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're kids. But um, what I do love about Katara is that she does come into her own and she does become like the leader that the team needs um, in, in, in certain moments. In, in other moments, Sokka takes the lead, in other mm-hmm. moments, Aang takes the lead. But a lot of times she's the mom of the group and that's kind of necessary when you have a group of children, preteens trying to save the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked how Zuko was like, <laughs> Aang was like, no, you don't need to avenge your mother. And Zuko was like, I'll help. <laughs> I've been going after revenge my whole life and it hasn't gotten me anywhere, but I'll help you get revenge. <laughs> right? Um, I really like Sokka's character. Um, mm-hmm. Sokka is the comic relief. He, I, I do believe that he comes in clutch in the moments when he's needed. You know, like sometimes... Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he really is like, kind of brushed off a lot of the times as the comic relief of the group but there is that moment where he goes and he trains with that master you know to to become a better fighter where they realize how much they do need Sokka yeah um and it's crazy I actually love that moment because it's like he might have not have seemed much but he really was yeah it's almost like one of those he, he's kind of like a... I don't want to say he's like a Han Solo because I, I don't think he's as crucial to the plot as like a Han Solo type character is. But in terms of their team dynamic, he's totally essential at grounding them because you have a, a team full of very powerful benders and he's the only one. He's the oldest of them who has no uh, bending abilities whatsoever to speak of. But somehow he keeps them down to earth. He understands like uh, the average person's plight better than the rest of them, I think. What I love about Sokka is that, like you said, he, he does train with that master to, in, in sword fighting. But he also, um, you know, throughout the series, he has uh, some of the best arcs. Like he has the, the arc with, um, uh, what's the, the girl's name from the end of season one who becomes a moon? Yue? Oh, Yue? Yue, Yue. Yui I was gonna was call. Fine. I was gonna call her Yuki, but I'd be. No, that's sad. Yeah. Um, Poor you. I had to watch him. Yeah. Make out with Suki. Yeah. The big sad. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> My girlfriend turned into the moon. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But I, what I like about Sokka is that he never stopped learning. You know, like everywhere that they went, he would like get the like tool that they used and learned how to be proficient with it and he, he didn't let the fact that he was you never heard him complaining oh well i'm the only one who's like he would say jokes and stuff about it but he kept busy he like kept finding ways to make himself useful instead of just letting that make him kind of a dud which i think is kind of cool i do like yeah. how you said that he keeps them grounded because he does provide that perspective of a non-bender you know that he can, mm-hmm. that that he's that person that can speak for a non-bender on how certain things, or or how certain things might appear to a non-bender, you know. So mm-hmm, he yeah. he was really like having a non-bender in that group was actually a lot more crucial than just him 
providing this and that like just having him there was like you know this person's a non-bender there's ways that you have to be able to interact with non-benders and uh so i think that his character provided that and i thought that was really cool because i don't think that there was any moment in the show where i was like oh man you know he sucks he doesn't bend you know mm-hmm. right 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 a little detail i noticed on my most recent viewing of the finale of avatar the last airbender was some of the wounds on ang's body and there's one scene where I noticed he had a wound on the bottom of his uh, on the bottom of the sole of his foot. And I was like, when did he get hurt there? And I thought about it and it finally clicked. The the moment that he was shot in the back with lightning, that's when he got that um that wound on the bottom of his foot. So lightning or electricity is always searching for ground. If you touch something that's electrical, it'll go through your body, but it will go down. It'll go towards the ground. It's always searching for ground. And that's why like when I'm an electrician on the side or in, you know, (laughs) in the front, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's, that's what I do with my day job. Um, When, when you're doing anything with electricity, you have to... I'm trying to explain this uh, in a way that everyone can understand. But um, when you're connecting things, you have to... Ground yourself. Like, kind of... You have to ground yourself. <laughs> How do I explain? You have to make sure that the electricity, if there's any offshoot of electricity, any surge, it gets grounded to the electrical box or something else that, you know, will stop the pull of electricity. Um, but what happens here is what happened with Aang was it was shot into him and because the electricity searches for ground, it basically burned everything inside his body down to his foot. So you, the, the wound that you're seeing actually goes a lot deeper because that's an actual thing that happens. And I, I've, I've seen pictures like in like training classes of like feet just being blown out because of electricity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a scary thing, but it's, it's a, that's one of the coolest little details that I never would have expected to see from uh, the Avatar series. And I don't think most people notice because they don't understand um, why he would have that injury to begin with. So uh, that's, a, that's a cool little detail that I noticed. No, it's cool. cool. That's very cool. And uh, something that kind of ties this episode to the last episode was prior to the Clone Wars, uh, Dave Filoni actually worked on this show. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's a cool little... I think it was... Didn't, like, they ask him to do this... Like to work with Star Wars because of his work with Avatar, or am I? Exactly um, I mean, we can. We don't know exactly if it was because of Avatar: Last Bender that he got called in to work with Lucas. But um, if you watch the Mandalorian eight-part like making of series for the like season one of the Mandalorian, um, Dave Filoni kind of you know tells a little anecdote of how he met george lucas for the first time and he talks about how he was working in nickelodeon uh on this show called avatar the last airbender he was a director for that show and he was called in uh to talk about an upcoming uh animated cartoon series called clone wars that's his gateway story into 
uh, meeting Lucas and joining Lucasfilm. Yeah, it's actually a pretty funny story. Because he's thinking the whole time that it's the uh, people working on Spongebob messing with them. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. They th- he thought he was being punked. Yeah, uh, I love that. <laughs> by the cat, by the 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 producers of SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah, hilarious. Really I mean, that just that just goes to show you that the Avatar really had a really strong uh, crew, you know, working it. And the, I mean, we talked a bit about the uh voice acting cast and the uh non-spoiler episode and i mean it's crazy like who was in it i mean mark hamill as uh fire lord ozai i mean mm-hmm. like like i you wouldn't have thought that that was him unless you actually like looked it up mark hamill has such a great range he really does you know who i you know who i realized um i didn't recognize in the voice cast that i that i recognize now is um the voice actor for zuko he is played by dante bosco who uh we also talked about in our hook episode because he played rufio mm. in hook <laughs> rufio <laughs> oh my goodness connection cross promotion <laughs> yeah you guys gotta watch our uh hook episode because that was a pretty good one too iroh's oh, yeah. my personal favorite I absolutely love Iroh. He's he's the the ground to Zuko. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Iroh was quote unquote on the bad side, but he wasn't a hundred percent on the bad side. He was pretty much on the transition prior to the start of the show. Like you knew that he was there to support his nephew and his endeavors, and he would have he would have done whatever his nephew needed. But I think that if the time, it, you know, say hypothetically, uh, Zuko had captured the Avatar like earlier in the show, but like, but like successfully and was taking him to, uh, the Fire Lord, I think that, uh, I think that Iroh would have intervened and would have like really tried to stop him or like would That's have tried to point. steer him. That is an interesting point actually yeah because with the white lotus he probably would have done that that's like a yeah i hadn't thought about that uh i love yeah iroh's just like just waiting like kind of like boomy iroh is just he's such a crazy character because he's one of the characters he's also comic relief but he's also like a really endearing character but he's also like really just like beast is remember mm-hmm. that like prison scene where he's like working out and he gets like super buff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he that in many cool. ways he in many ways is the Mr. Miyagi of the show. Yeah. Uh, he's the voice of reason. He's the uh, he's the one bringing out all the philosophical phrases that you know you know and love from um, Uncle Iroh. Mm-hmm. Has a lifetime of regret. Yeah, yeah. He there's actually a lot of parallels parallels you can probably make to um, Mr. Miyagi. I love Uncle Iroh, and I continue to love Uncle Iroh into um, some of the flashbacks we receive in Legend of Korra as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk too much about that, but the the character is such a, a beloved character. Speaking to my, my dad, he was uh, my dad's favorite character as well, just because he's such a well-rounded individual. Um, like you were saying, Anthony, he's 
hanging out on the wrong side, but he knows the right path, and he's trying to guide his nephew towards um, doing the right thing at all times. And uh, a lot of times, you know, thinking about what you were saying just now about how you don't think that he would have allowed uh, or he would have tried to steer Zuko away from returning the Avatar to um, the Fire Lord. A lot of times um, throughout the series, it's Uncle Iroh's, I don't want to say negligence, um, but it's his unwillingness to act in a timely manner that kind of uh, stops Zuko from from getting the job done and i wonder if that's intentional now that, I, that now that you mention it like i wonder if he's purposely you know just playing the drunken master type character uh <laughs> actually uh to 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 a point where like he's teaching zuko lessons by not doing anything mm-hmm. you know it's funny though because iroh's character or Iroh kind of gets stuck in Zuko's mind. Because, like, there will be moments where, you know, there's those moments where Zuko wasn't with Iroh. And he's thinking like Iroh. And he's like, what would he do? Or, oh my gosh, I'm speaking like him now. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it, it's funny how he kind of, like, became like an earworm to, uh, or an earwig to, um to Zuko I remember one episode and it was a filler episode and it was like a multi-part like filler episode the tales of Ba Sing Se and like his his part in that one was like the best because it just shows his character and like how he how all he wants to do is help I'm not gonna lie that episode actually made me shed a tear because like he's um uh celebrating his late son's birthday who dies at the the siege of Ba Sing Se. And he holds a lot of regret for that too, because he blames himself on that. Yeah. And he says something along the lines of, uh, I wish I could have helped you out. Like I'm helping Zuko out. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, He he said, uh, yeah, he, he, he said something along the lines is like, happy birthday, my son. If only I could have helped you. You yes. Yeah. yeah. That that's what he said. That's and he said. yeah, that that was yeah that like kind of tears into you because into the, in that moment you're like man like you know he he holds this like so it's a burden to him. It, it's amazing what they can tell you about um, who the son is, why Uncle Iroh um, is so uh, distraught by it how much he cares for Zuko, how much he wishes his son was still alive in just so few words. Like you said, the phrase that you just repeated, um, it's literally like one line, mm-hmm. but they're able to tell a whole story, a whole lifetime of story with that one line because um, you can just infer so much from the heartbreak that you're feeling in that moment. Uh, the writing on the show throughout is is so fantastic, and especially in those moments where um, you're not expecting to <laughs> be hit in that kind of way. Right. Uh, it's pretty incredible. The, the Tales of Bossing say, I, I think it, if I remember correctly, it's a two-part um, episode where they go through like little mini episodes 
uh, or little mini adventures with different characters. A lot of the mini stories are kind of cute, kind of funny, kind of a little bit heartwarming. Um, but that's the one that like <laughs> hits you in the feels, you know, mm-hmm. sucker punches you right in the face. And he he has a little he has a little bit of a funny moment in the beginning of his segment. Like I mean, like you know, he helps like a he helps a little kid. Uh, he plays that song that. It's kind of like the theme of his segment, the um, little soldier, soldier boy. boy, and uh, I, li- I like that soldier one boy, part where <laughs> these uh, Earthbender kids—they're like playing this game. They like knock the this ball into this window, and <laughs> there's like this big guy like behind. It. He's like, "I'm gonna get you, kids!" And um, he's like, "It's in it's in these moments where." where you should be or you should uh like tell the truth or like you know be truthful he said but at this time run and like they all like just start (laughs) running including him it's so it's so funny like there's just so many reasons why i like uh iroh because i mean there's just there's so much that you can learn from him you know like like you're saying just the the show the reason why I feel like it's one of the best cartoons I've seen is the fact that it has the ability to invoke emotion, just like very, just various different types, not just comical, but mm-hmm. you're feeling the, the intensity of, of a moment or you're feeling the heaviness of a moment or you're feeling the triumph of a moment. Um, or, or the whole weight of the war, you know? Yeah. The, the war that's raging around them. You, you understand, especially at the end of the series, that it's these kids that are at the front of this, uh, you know, world war, basically, is what, it's, is, what it is. Um, and you have the, like, these, the, this tyrannical rule who's trying to um, siege and destroy the rest of the world. And all life hangs in the balance of these few young people and uh well also the white lotus but you know it's it's really impressive what they're capable of doing with the show um and it doesn't make it 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 makes it plausible that these kids would would be at the forefront of it all Mm -hmm. you know they could have made the show about how they're rallying a big uh army to defeat the fire nation but because of the avatar's precarious situation in terms of like being uh like running away from the fire nation they never really get the opportunity to raise an army but throughout the show they meet several uh individuals who are willing to help who in the end come to their aid um and it's it's awesome seeing those characters return have a little moment in the limelight and uh do their duty in the war and uh, it's such a well-crafted show i love it so much man yeah good job Same. jen thank you for finally bringing him on board <laughs> yeah oh uh, one one final thing before we uh, wrap this episode up i love 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 appa but i love that episode where he it's just uh appa's journey oh my or God. Appa's... talk about oh, heartbreak. Yes. heartbreak am i right i absolutely oh, love appa's character he's like he's the best it, it, it's kind of like uh Ashitaka's uh, Red Elk from Princess Mononoke. It's a mm-hmm. uh, Appa's a character that doesn't talk at all, except for makes grunts and stuff. And <laughs> you absolutely love him. the character. 
because you you know when like how vital missing. he is to the operation and like when yeah. when he when he gets kidnapped and like the heartbreak of ang like you feel it like you feel it that's how well the writing of the show is like you feel it and like when that when they reunite like it's it just it, it's such an amazing moment like you feel it it, it they did yeah. such the writing on that show is just fantastic from beginning to end they should have just had the fire lord steal appa and then ang would have killed him no problem because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like when appa goes missing like you see a whole side to ang that you didn't know was there but that's like the last of his family and the last of his home before yeah you know going in the ice so it's like losing appa is like would be a catastrophe for him what's what's great about that episode um for me is the fact that they are doing something experimental in that episode all the main cast that can speak is not there Mm -hmm. um the the episode is entirely from appa's point of view and if if the episode was narrated by appa and it's like in his voice like in his head it wouldn't have been half as impactful as just understanding the behavior of this animal, the behavior of this person, really, um, because it's it's a conscious being, and um, there you're able to see the struggle and the the torment that this creature goes through in you know 20 minutes or so, and it's terrible, it's heartbreaking, and you mm-hmm. just want it to end. You just want uh, Ang to finally meet Appa again. Uh, because you know the past couple episodes he hasn't seen Appa, and you've been like, where the heck has Ang been? Yeah. And you realize that Appa's been very close to uh, Ang and Team Avatar throughout the course of the past couple episodes. They've been like almost like circling around each other um, in terms of like where they've been, and then uh, finally being reunited is awesome. But yeah, when when you finally see uh, Ang go into the avatar state because those guys sold Appa into slavery is like one of the best moments of the show because you're like wow Aang is about to whip butt right now and yeah he, turns he doesn't into Batman. he doesn't um, he doesn't because Katara <laughs> more like John him. Wick am I right um, yeah. <laughs> I like that monk that Appa comes across because mm-hmm. like th- he can kind of sense that Appa has been through a lot and he says uh, something along the lines of, "It was like fe- he's like fear or or mis or uh, mistrust has crept in where love should," mm. and it, it was such a great part because like Appa like he just doesn't trust anybody because he's been through a lot, and like this monk, you know, spends so much time you know trying to gain his trust. I think he realizes his connection to the Avatar. And so that's how he kind of gets that message message to the Avatar. Because remember, I, I think at that moment, the Avatar has lost his connection to, to the spirit realm because of because uh, of the lightning. And he was trying to get it back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that little moment that you just spoke about where uh, the monk says fear and trust, ha- or yeah, fear and mistrust have crept in uh, where love should be. Um, or something like that is really interesting because you see that a lot with um, animals that have been abused mm-hmm. um, their personality changes um, you know when you get like rescue dogs or whatever a lot of times they have uh, mental problems or trust problems because of how they were treated or handled previously and it's really sad but um, it's it's a again it's one of those little details that like 
they, the, the writers, um, realized by sprinkling a little bit of truth into fiction, it makes the world so much more believable. And it's one of those things that, like, um, it's a terribly real thing that happens, but um, can make your fictional world uh, also, like, believable and uh, have, have more of an impact on the emotions of the viewers because people clearly love Appa and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think, like, one of my favorite moments, like, with Appa... And it happens throughout the show is like when like Appa is happy to see Sokka and he like always like licks him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Alright, we should close this out. It's getting late on our side and yes. uh, I have work early in the morning. But thank you, Anthony, for uh, doing not just this episode, but the previous Mandalorian episode. And thank you, Jen, for being with us the whole time. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Avatar The Last Airbender? It's a good show. Um, it's really good. <laughs> it's really good, man. It's really good. Don't mess with Appa because we'll all come after you. We should uh, eventually do a Legend of Korra episode. And I think we'll do it more like this episode. Instead of talking about non-spoilers, we'll just talk about the things we liked of Legend of Korra. So we'll let you guys know when uh, we're going to be doing that so you can catch up on Legend of Korra. But obviously, um, I, I do think it's a show that you should watch. Not as strong, in my opinion, as the original Avatar series. But it has its strong points and uh, some, some points are even stronger than points in Avatar. So we'll talk about that at another time. But um, we want to close this episode out. Anthony, you have any final thoughts for the people back home? <laughs> to the folks back home, if you've listened to this whole episode and have not seen the Avatar, stop what you're doing now and watch it. It's worth it. Jen said it plainly but perfectly. It's a good show. It, it's a it's it's a, it's a cartoon, show. but it's a good show. Don't let if you if you're somebody that doesn't like to watch <laughs> cartoons, just think of it as a really good story that's animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, um, it's it's just like we've said m- multiple times in this episode. This is literally like one of my favorite cartoons to ever exist. How about you, Dakota? Got any uh, last remarks? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I've grown to love the show so much that I've started collecting the uh, comic books. And uh, recently, um, a, a follower of Geek Critique, uh, Zach Hall, has gifted me with the, the final book that I was missing. And I'm very grateful for that. So thank you, Zach. Uh, you are awesome. I'm looking forward to reading that Legend of Korra book. And for those of you who don't know, the, the, the comics that come out are canonical. They're shepherded by the creators of the show, even though they're written by comic book writers. And they follow the, the events after Avatar The Last Airbender and after The Legend of Korra. So those stories continue in the comics, which is why I don't think we're ever going to get like a, like a follow-up season or, or a follow-up series to shows that like star Aang or star Korra or whatever. Um, but... I do hope we get more Avatar shows in the future, and I think we will. I think they're working on something as we speak. But thank you guys um, for listening. Thank you uh, for joining us on episode 16. We hope you uh, join us on episode 17. We have a special episode uh, that we have been talking about doing for many months now. We're going to be doing a Mulan uh, comparison of the uh, original film film 
original animated film and the recent 2020 remake. So uh, we look forward to doing that uh, for our next episode, uh, episode 17. Thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, if you haven't checked out our socials, uh, you can find them at Ecology on Twitter and Project Ecology on Instagram. All of that is in the show notes, so you can uh, click uh, to your heart's content to different places. Um, go follow us there. We, we, we talk a little bit about like what we're working on, what we're watching, and what we're doing, um, and other geeky stuff uh, related to the show. But thanks, guys. Yes, if you'd give us a follow on those uh, social media platforms, that'd be great. Uh, something that I had talked about before in the past, and uh, we'll probably do it in the upcoming future, is maybe setting up a Discord channel for Project Ecology so that uh, everybody can kind of get together and, uh, you know, we can kind of make our own Project Ecology community and uh talk about the episodes a little bit more yeah exactly and uh you know we can uh you know speak to you guys a little bit more directly and uh if if you guys have not given us a review we would greatly appreciate a a positive review we read every single one where we don't it's not like we get like thousands a day so we read every single yeah we read every single uh, review, and um, every every time we get a new one, it it really do, it really does like brighten up our our day, and it does a lot for us. And thank you for those who come weekly and listen to us and offer feedback. and And uh, we we do have some regulars, and we we like to uh, to recognize you guys, and we thank you for coming weekly and. We can't we can't wait to uh, get that Mulan episode out to you and thank you for 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 just being there and hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, how about you, Jen? You have any uh, closing remarks? No. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.